Welcome back to North of the Wall. I'm Colin Campbell, and with me is Justin Perez. Hey. And we're going to jump right into Season 7, Episode 6, Beyond the Wall of Game of Thrones. But first, we have some we have some bad math to correct on our part. Uh, I was listening to some of the, as, as I was editing the episodes previous to this one, and this whole season, you and I have been calling Danny and John siblings, half-siblings. Last yep. last episode, we corrected ourselves mistakenly to cousins. Uh, she's his aunt. <laughs> yeah, because her they're definitely related. Though. They're, they're they're super related. But her brother Rhaegar was uh-huh. John's dad. And they're both of theirs. Both of those characters are children of the Mad King. Yes, I think we mistook Rhaegar for being a brother of the Mad King at one point, though. There's too many characters in this thing, and they all have names that sound the same. Yeah, they're all dying quickly, but <laughs> Danny and John though are uh, they are related. Yeah. So when so in season seven, episode seven is one long slow sex scene between them. It'll still be super awkward. It's we were... going to be pretty. Yeah, yes. it's going to be pretty weird. <laughs> And I also like how over the course of us talking about these episodes, the the length of that sex scene has gotten longer and longer. <laughs> yeah, I do think next week's episode is a long episode. Is it? Okay, that's like good. It's, one, it's one of the like 90-minute ones. Okay. So they got to fill that time. Got to yeah. fill it with something. Yeah, that's true. That's, Might uh, as well make relatives have sex with each other. <laughs> it is Game of Thrones. John and Denny have some time together, some one-on-one time. Yeah, so that's, I mean, it's at the end, but it's what we're talking about. Yeah. Danny saves the day with her dragons, rescues John in a just ridiculous fashion. This whole episode <laughs> is just a lot of ridiculous stuff. Yeah, we, we'll, uh-huh. we're going to dig into that a lot, but this this is the episode where Game of Thrones goes full fantasy. Yeah, not in a way that I enjoy. Okay, but we've got John and Danny on a boat, and they're making lovey eyes at each other. Yes. And then he decides that he's that she can be his queen. Also, That was this- actually an unexpected thing for me. It was an unexpected thing, but I think it came from a conversation that he and Torment had. I think, or, and the Which whole, was what? the whole I shock. I don't even remember. Yeah, so there's lots of one-on-one, one-on-one, one-on-one dialogue between all the men that are north of the wall. Which, by the way, mm-hmm. should have been the name of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> north of the wall, name of the podcast. I want to actually break down some of these one-on-one conversations, but when John and Torment are walking, Torment's talking about. He asks about the queen that John met, and he tells Tormund that she wants him to bend the knee, and he starts talking about Mance Raider. Tormund does. So, we met this dragon queen, huh? And she'll only fight beside us if I bend the knee. You spent too much time with the free folk. Now you don't like kneeling. Mance Raider was a brave man, a proud man. King beyond the wall never bent the knee. How many of his people died for his pride? Very unexpected amount of political wisdom and survival wisdom from Tormund. It might actually be that the wildlings are the only people in this world that are smart. (laughs) Or at least know what's really going on, yeah. Yeah. Everyone else just has no context for anything. And they make terrible decisions. They do. Consistently. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Tormund convinced him. That works for me. I mean, he gets to the point where he says, I'll bend the knee. Which, I don't know, I thought it would be, why don't we... How come neither of them is saying, why don't we just form an alliance? A married alliance? 
I do it's like, obvious. I think that's what she was kind of building towards. And then he's like, yeah, you know what? Also, I'm going to bend the knee to you. And also, uh-huh. I'm gonna, at this, in the same conversation where I admit that you will have regal status above me, I'm also going to call you by a new nickname that I have no way of ever <laughs> having heard before and call you That Danny. nobody calls you. <laughs> she says the only person who called it that before was her brother, Viserys. Uh-huh. And Goldhead. Yeah, so who would... So, and this made me think about something, too. In the books, Danny is a very, very common name. You and I call her Danny. But in the I show, think everyone that I talk to about this show sort of calls her Danny. Yeah, it's a fascinating thing because in the show, it's rarely ever used. In fact, maybe it hasn't been used since the first season, but it just became uh-huh. concrete as Danny. And I think also everyone that read the books calls her Danny because the voice of the narrator calls her Danny in equal measure. Is the narrator in the books a person? No, it's 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 third person narration. Although it might be Sam. That's the theory, right? is it i didn't know that that's okay yeah that's one of the theories that it's sam is the one that wrote that is writing this these these, uh song in ice of ice and fire sam is way less prudish as a narrator than he is as a character that wizard school sam yeah Yeah. it's it's a pretty traditional fantasy trope because it's like one of the characters is writing the story yeah it's the same thing that happened in lord of the rings with there and back again the the tale you know the tale of bilbo going to the, the mountain and returning Right. Which was, became The Hobbit. Yeah, it's so it, it made me th- think that, oh, the Danny term is actually very interesting and it feels super out of place <laughs> in this scene. <laughs> um, I know it's meant to like show them being close, but yeah, it was weird. It was weird. It was weird ending. Okay. Let's save the whole North of the Wall name of the podcast for after we hit Winterfell and Dragonstone. And since we're already on Danny, let's roll, okay. in, let's roll into Dragonstone. Because here we get a little yep. bit, a little bit Tyrion and Danny talking by a fire. The actual the the episode starts with a slow pan of the table map of Westeros. Quiet, just the fire oh, behind it. It doesn't start in the north. No, if you want, like the very the first shot of the episode is a oh. quiet pan across, a slow pan across the map leading north towards the fire. It's a really interesting juxtaposition. You're mo- moving across a slow, dark wooden table towards the north. We all know narratively we're moving towards the north, but there's fire beyond it and the background mm. of this shot. And it's quiet, just the fire crackling. And then it cuts to a panning shot of the actual north. And it's oh, also still, yeah. yeah, and it's also still quiet. It's a really nice, it's a subtle, unexpected transition. It's so short that you kind of throw it away in your mind, but I liked it. Yeah. It, was, it was interesting. The rest of the shots in Dragonstone are. Danny and Tyrion talking and her flying away to go save the day. She talks to Tyrion about whether she should go north, right? That's the main point of their conversation. The main, the main, the first conversation. So that's on the bluff when she's in her winter gear that looks a lot like she's one of the White Walkers. But <laughs> we're um, going to talk about her clothes. Okay. <laughs> okay. What was the first conversation? I don't even really remember this. I was so geared up for like, let's go fight some zombies. I don't know that I was really paying attention to this. So the first conversation is by the fire and it le- they, they go out into the, to the balcony at one point, but it's Tyrion paying off the conversation he had with Varys in the previous episode where Varys is convincing, trying to convince Tyrion, you got to keep her good because uh-huh. she, she can so easily slip into that side of madness and chaos and burning people and being a vengeful, terrifying ruler 
but in the in this episode he challenges her harder on burning the tarleys and then starts talking about succession which feels like a weird oh, yeah. choice okay, yeah now i remember yeah and yeah, that kind of that pis- was weird so if in the version of the world where she does die what even happens here that's what that's kind of his point is that they don't right. have anything they're all lost if she dies because there's no replacement plan for her who's going to take over does her army go back east by themselves or do they just try to march on uh king's landing i'm not even really sure what happens so i think i would predict and this is i think this is what Tyrion is aware of is that the dragons and the dothraki all become unraveled they just go out their ways to you know destroy the land yeah who does she even have there to to possibly place in that position well the trick is that she doesn't believe she can ever have children she believes uh-huh. the dragon there are the only children she'll ever have and because of prophecies and other stuff that have been laid out throughout the show so drogon is in charge so Dr- yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. that's who i would follow yeah <laughs> Like, it's either Circe or Drogon for you. Nobody else. <laughs> yeah, those are my two options. Yeah. <laughs> Let's jump to Winterfell. This is okay. Not... So I'll start. Okay. Winterfell is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> it's the new Dorne. It's what? the place I never want to show up on my TV. It's no. just a bummer. It's a bummer to hang out there. The story is so stupid. Like, why? So, Arya and Sansa are gonna fight and be mad at each other. Arya is supposed to be this like well-trained shifty assassin girl yeah and Littlefinger just completely fooled her what's wrong with her unless this is all one big payoff and i mean i hope it is and by the way there's robot uh raven boy that could just tell anyone there like hey uh the weird shifty uh, mayor of baltimore looking dude he's playing you and he just ends it right now (laughs) brand is useless what is he even doing like what what was he doing this whole episode he's just sitting out in the woods touching a tree and, the worst. And that walk. kid is the worst. <laughs> the character, either more characters get back to Winterfell, so Arya and Sansa aren't carrying the the story there because they're just it's not working. Okay, can we be done with Winterfell then? I move on to. Well, okay. So what? Also, what is the point of why does Arya give Sansa the dagger? If I had to venture a guess, it's that she's confirming that she has all the power. I don't get it. Nobody there seems to be doing anything logically. Maybe this is the whole build up to this next episode, Littlefinger really getting his, but Right. Nah. I think though I do think he is number one on the most likely to be killed where things stand right now. I, I can't believe we have made it through six episodes without anybody on our list yeah, being nobody's lost. died. Yeah. I mean, it's not just our list. Like there hasn't really been anybody important that's died. I mean, is Dick on that important? Not really. <laughs> Well, we had, I guess we had Elena Tyrell. Okay, so we lost one real character. That's true, and two Sand Snakes. So, one real character. <laughs> Can we go north of the wall now? Name of the podcast? Yeah, I think Arya and Sansa are Sand Snakes now. Okay. That's my theory, because <laughs> oh, I hate them. That's a low blow from you. That's harsh. <laughs> there was, there Arya were... was my favorite, too. She was my favorite character up until, like, mid- last week's episode yeah and and two seasons ago no last last season last, beginning of last season you and i were team sansa we were both right. all about sansa having escaped ramsey and growing up sort of fighting back yeah so yeah so that's all south of the wall mm-hmm. and then up in the north the far far north 
we kick things off with small little group dialogues between right this pile this is we talked about last week this is kind of the stuff that i did want to see just have these like weird vagabond characters hang out with each other so i counted uh over half a dozen of these conversations there's seven of them and Mm -hmm. the first one is tormund gendry and john talking and it's sort of tormund poking gendry with a wildling stick and making fun of him a little bit and testing him and then he and john are talking and this one is great it's a great little exchange because they start debating debating the north and debating the south ever been north before never seen snow before beautiful eh i can breathe again down south the air smells like pig shit you've never been down south i've been to winterfell that's the north kind of like how i feel like when i live in a big city and just anything that's outside of the city is the country yeah like you know, oh you live in the suburbs you live out in the country yeah that's sort of like that's when you i feel when you're talking to people about not city in la about it being cold in la sometimes and it gets to like right. the, the 50s fahrenheit <laughs> and then john and Tormund talk about bending the knee which we discussed with Tormund being wise mm-hmm. showing wisdom about mance raider jora and john talk about Longclaw and Jorah's dad, Jor Mormont, who is the knight commander right. and lord commander. And John tries to give Jorah Longclaw, the blade mm-hmm. that, the, the Valerian blade. Um, and, and I thought that Jorah Did John, John have another sword? Yeah. Was he carrying a second sword though? Like, what was he going to do if Jorah was like, yeah, I'll take this. Um, then they're just going into battle and he doesn't have a sword. Oh, you mean like in right now at this moment? Yeah. Yeah. No. He, right now, I, I did not see another sword on his person. <laughs> right. Well, especially because like Jorah in the whole fight that we're gonna get to is fighting with little like daggers. Yeah. So he was he. So also... he didn't even think to bring a sword. Yeah, I don't understand this whole thing. Like, I mean, I don't know if they're trying to like make him show look different, but Jorah always has a sword. He has like a different silhouette. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Just nonsense. Nobody's thinking like, oh yeah, we're gonna go across the wall. We're going to fight this massive army on the dumbest plan that anyone has ever come up with, by the way, in case anyone forgot from last week. We're going to kidnap a zombie from an army of zombies with a few of us, and uh, we're not going to bring that many weapons. (laughs) Speaking of the zombie, before we get to him, I think it's him. Uh, I'm looking looking to you for you to name this zombie so we can actually call him something. Which Um, one? The zombie that they tried. They're taking south of the wall. Oh, that they capture? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's Sackhead. <laughs> that I works. already named him. I was referring to him as Sackhead before. <laughs> okay, good. Like, as soon as I saw, I soon, I was referring to him as that as I was watching the episode, and then when we talked about it at work the next day, that's Sackhead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you. Also, what a great, like, acting role by that guy. <laughs> Never gets to show his face, but gets to thrash around and make a lot of noise. Like, that's a good job. It is a good job. A lot of, lot of screen time for him. Yeah. Good old sackhead. <laughs> so Jorah turns down Longclaw. And I was expecting John and Jorah not to get along because they're both making lovey eyes at Daenerys. Right. But Jorah says a great line. He tells John, He gave it to you. I'm not his son. I brought shame into my house. I broke my father's heart. I forfeited the right to claim this soul. 
It's yours. It'd serve you well. And your children after you. Really, really suggesting like you know, I want you to have a long life and offspring. Is he is he hinting at it all that he thinks that him and and Danny are gonna have babies? Possibly. That'd be a big leap from where he was last time he saw Danny, but or last time he was spending time with Danny. But right. yeah, maybe maybe that's the maybe that's what he's actually building towards. So. So I just saw in your notes that you called the zombie boner face. <laughs> So you, you made a more filthy nickname than I did. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's from a D&D game that I used to play where there was a, I think a zombie we were fighting and somebody called him Bonerface. Zach Garris called him Bonerface. <laughs> but yeah. And then Gendry and the Brotherhood Without Banners are talking and Gendry's just laying into them, just laying it in about how they sold him to the Red Witch. She wanted to kill me. But they would have killed me if it wasn't but for Davos. But they didn't, did they? So what you're whinging about? I'm not whinging. Your lips are moving and you're complaining about something. That's whinging. This one's been killed six times. You don't hear him bitching about it. Clegane interrupts and says it doesn't sound that bad. And, and then he calls it, he says, whinging? Have you heard this term before? He says, are you whinging? Uh, no, that, that was new to me as well. But he does a he does a cool cool thing where he like points at Beric and Darian. He's like he's died six times. You don't hear, hear hear him complaining, and it really <laughs> it speaks to how much he he's now part of that group that he's willing right. to make fun of someone else in contrast to the group he's comfortable with. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's it spoke a lot about Clegane actually having found community in a small way. Also, good lord. Sander Kaglane is tall. Like, he just towers oh. over everybody else in that. Well, him and the mountain, right? They're the same family. Yeah, exactly. They're brothers. So, yeah. 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 They just have big parents. There's a couple more. There's uh, Jorah and Thoros, the talk. After, this is later on after the polar bear fight. John and, and Jorah shows some kindness to Thoros in different ways. John and Beric and Darian talk. And... While they're seeking for purpose, they both talk about how they don't know what their purpose is, why they were brought back. Beric sort of puts a lens on a lot of things about why he and John fight and why they're maybe even why they were brought back and what purpose they serve. And maybe I think about that all the time. I don't think it's our purpose to understand, except one thing we're soldiers. We have to know what we're fighting for. I'm not fighting so some man or woman I barely know can sit in a throne made of swords. So what are you fighting for? Life. Death is the enemy. The first enemy and the last. But we all die. The enemy always wins. And we still need to fight him. That's all I know. You and I won't find much joy while we're here. But we can keep others alive. We can defend those who can't defend themselves. I'm the shield that guards the realms of men. Maybe we don't need to understand any more than that. Maybe that's enough. Aye. Maybe that's enough. And John's sort of angry about it, sort of angsty about it like he always is. And Beric really does a great job of putting a lens on it. 
maybe we don't need to understand why we're here. Maybe all we need to right. do is keep protecting people and being good people. Yeah. And I do remember that conversation. Yeah, and it's Beric hasn't been a hasn't had a big role in the show, but I thought this was a really solid conversation and delivery of it. But then my favorite of all the conversations that happen north of the wall is between Tormund and Clugane. <laughs> yeah, this is my favorite one. Too. Okay, then you talk about this one because I've talked about the rest. So, I mean, they're just discussing... Tormund brings up that he has a woman waiting for him. I have a beauty waiting for me back in Winterfell. If I ever get back there. Yellow hair. Blue eyes. Tallest woman you've ever seen. Almost as tall as you. Brienne of Tarth. You know her? You're with Brienne of f***ing Tarth. Well, not with her yet. But I see the way she looks at me. How does she look at you? And she wants to carve you up and into your liver? You do know her. We've met. I want to make babies with her. Think of them. Great big monsters. that conquer the world. How did a mad fucker like you live this long? I'm good at killing people. <laughs> Tormund is the best. This conversation was also, as soon as it happened, was the moment when I was absolutely certain that Tormund was going to get killed. Yeah, I felt the same way because they were like because it's so very much, much the kind of narrative moment you give to a character on his on his last day of work before he accidentally gets gets shot or something like that. They've done two fake outs in this season like that with with Bronn and with Tormund, who are two of the great comedic reliefs and. Sources a sort of like down to earth clarity of thought. <laughs> Just like right. we're not going to make stupid decisions all the time. <laughs> Those are all really good. That was a whole lot of what was awesome about this episode. Right. And then there's a well, whole lot of stuff. Well, you also skipped over kind of a big thing. Uh, they fought a zombie polar bear. <laughs> <laughs> there was so as soon as that happened, the fog is there. I thought like, oh, this is where the fight starts. Um, and it's a zombie bear. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, I mean, they can make zombies out of anything. And right. What they didn't make totally clear at the end of the, the last episode is they're bringing a bunch of red shirts with them into the North. Yeah, the <laughs> so, fantasy red shirts so yeah. that a bunch of people could die and it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So they, they fought the bear and Clegane can't even like take part really because. Oh, because he sees some fire. Yeah, because because. Also part of the fantasy experience that this is coagulating into. Uh, is that let's light some swords on fire. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they let the, the swords light on fire, which in turn light the polar bear on fire. This is actually pretty visceral because Thoros saves Clegane. He knocks uh -huh. him out of the way and, and in turn gets bitten and ravaged by the polar bear. And yeah. this is pretty like gruesome. They stay with it for a while. All you get is the audio of him like yelling and being thrashed around by this right. polar bear. And that's the chest. hound is unable to save him. Yes. Which I think pays off a little bit later. And then they eventually kill the, the bear because they light it on fire and stab it a whole bunch of times. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So but after that they come upon the what I don't even really know what it is, a White Walker scouting crew. What I was think that? So. Yeah, I think so. Because they're not far from the main party. We learned that uh -huh. real quick. There's like a dozen whites and one white walker. Yeah. And they ambush them. And then this is just, I'm. this is the part where the episode turned for me. And I'm just going to start getting irritated at it. 
they're fighting with this group, and John uses his Valerian Steel to take out the White Walker, which yes. is cool. That's what the Valerian Steel is supposed to do. But then the rest of the zombies immediately die, except conveniently one. Mm-hmm. And they just try to explain it by saying, White Walker, that must mean all his followers are dead because they were linked or some, you know, some mind meld that they had. <laughs> but there's just one. There's just one that is not part of the group. Yeah, he borrowed him from Larry, the other White Walker. Why isn't that one hanging out with Larry? I, like, wouldn't you just want to hang out with the one that you're linked with? It's a work exchange program. It's just... <laughs> <laughs> just come with me, Sackhead. We need you for narrative reasons. <laughs> yeah. And that is literally how that conversation went. <laughs> yeah. As they go off just unprotected from the, the rest of the group. So they, they capture Sackhead and mm-hmm. they realize, oh, this is going to go go bad real fast. <laughs> right. Just, and, oh, we ambushed this group and these undead that are all, they're all connected somehow. We're not going to be able to sneak away quietly. <laughs> this plan was terrible. This plan's been terrible from the beginning and there's still some bad decisions that are going to happen. <laughs> um, <laughs> so they run out into the middle of this lake. Wait, far. wait, hold on. Before they get to the middle of the lake, John sends Gendry and says, run home. Run home. Send Just go run. Leave your hammer. Yeah. You're not going to need a weapon running through the north where all of the dangers are. Yes. And just run back. Yeah. It, does, uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that you, uh, you're you going to be by yourself and who knows how far away we are. Just start running. Nonsense. This, <laughs> this show is just nonsense. <laughs> yeah. So this might be a good time to talk about the level of fantasy that Game of Thrones has <laughs> breached. The Winterfell time-space continuum? Are yeah. we talking about that now? Lots of things. It's like the... <laughs> I grew up reading fantasy. I grew up reading Forgotten Realms and Dragonlance and Lord of the Rings and lots of other things. Worse fantasy than all of those. <laughs> I've read a yeah. lot of bad fantasy when I was a little kid. Game of Thrones has always lived just outside of high fantasy. It's really right. been restrained and magic is rare and very impactful when it happens. It's based on a lot of politics and stuff like that. Yeah, and I think that's why it's 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 pulled mainstream right. TV watching. I mean, it's pulled me. That's I yeah. am the opposite of you. I, growing up, did not read a lot of fantasy because I thought it was stupid. Yeah, and it's pulled fantasy and mainstream closer together. Mm-hmm. But a D&D party crossed into a quest in the Northern <laughs> Wilds on Sunday night. <laughs> they had... Not all the classes, but they had an awful lot of the regular D&D classes. Right. Maybe, maybe even Jorah having two blades was them like, yeah, you know, we, we need a rogue. <laughs> yeah. Who's our rogue? Give him some daggers. Who yeah. cares? It doesn't make sense. Who yeah. cares? Uh, those guys will have flaming swords. There's going to be a ice polar bear encounter. Uh, there's going to be some witty <laughs> there's banter. There's an undead warrior. <laughs> so I'm curious from like my standpoint, I can I can take this hit, I think. Uh, I think a lot of people couldn't. I'm curious what your experience with it was. Um, so this uh, this show has branched into this is a bad television show for me now. <laughs> it's still so it's entertaining and but it's not even like the fantasy stuff is it's get it's too it's getting too much for me. Like there's too much like oh there's that guy's magically back alive and we can fly these characters all across the world in two seconds and everything shows up at exactly the right time. That's becoming too much for me. And just the, but 
what I'm really getting more distracted on is just the level of stupidity that is displayed from each character, especially because up until this season, the the world was sort of there was a logic to this. Like, yes, there's dragons, and yes, there's a guy that comes back to life repeatedly, but there was still some some grounded realism of it that was largely due to the fact that it's a lot about politics and it's about you know armies fighting on horses and swords like that's that's something that i can understand and now it's just starting to spin so far out of control that i'm actually starting to turn on the show (laughs) do you think that is because in contrast to the previous seasons where we actually had some feedback that and other folks of course have as well that at times they moved too slow and they weren't showing doing yes. enough. Do you think? Well, it's definitely like it's if you if you look. At, I think we might have talked about this before, but if you look at the show as a whole, like the the pacing of any particular season up to this point has been slow, but it's been fine. The pacing to this season has been terrible because they have to go so fast. But if you look at the sort of arc of Game of Thrones, the television series, as one thing. It's all over the place. Like it moves so slowly in seasons three through six, maybe three through five. Yeah. And then season seven is just like, we have to do this. We have to do this. And we have to do this. And we have to do this. And we only have seven episodes. So do it, do it, do it, do it. So like, I almost wish that there was a bizarro version version of the show where the earlier seasons were condensed. Season three and four could just be one season. Like we don't need to spend so much time watching Daenerys burn down city after city and then just hang out at the pyramid forever. And we don't need to go to Dorne ever, really. And just condense all that down so that what we're looking at now, like this like really cool payoff stuff, there's no room for it to breathe and to like pay out. So we're just getting this like ludicrous pacing and narrative story that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, now they've got, I mean, because they definitely have more fantasy stuff than they used to, but let's even if they had the same scale and amount yeah. the density has increased because they're cutting out all the political intrigue and yeah character. all the filler or not filler all the like it's basically like the this like meat and potatoes fantasy and they've been giving us a lot of potatoes and a little bit of meat and this season is just like here's a bunch of raw meat <laughs> i hope you're hungry and it's too much so i think in some ways like there's there's parts of this season that have been some of my favorite and um, part and parts of the season that have been some of my least favorite. Well, Indeed. that's the other part of like this, this feeling that I have that the, the show kind of irritates me now it's two weeks ago when there was a battle between the Lannisters and the Dothraki, I was a hundred percent in like, that was one of my favorite episodes of the show. Yeah. And it's cause it was two armies that are at war that fought each other. And sure you throw a dragon into it, but I'm still in. Yeah. Um, it made sense that these two warring armies are going to meet out in open battle and have a sweet fight. Yeah. I think when we talk about different genres and the craft of the creative process and how it differs between genres a fair bit, that's, that's one of them here is that you, from an editing standpoint, which is so key in execution and delivery for any genre, but editing a movie is so finite you have two hours and you have beginning and ending so take the latest mad max movie fury road and it's like it was so well edited and excellent 
for what it needed to deliver. But they could look at that as one complete piece and say, there, this is done. This is for you. We know where it starts and where it ends. Yeah. Long-running television, even if you know where your endpoint is and it's several seasons away, is an iterative editing process. You mm-hmm. you can't, you get a course correct as you go. You can't say, this is my start and my end and look at it as all as one thing. You can't, even re- you can't really do that with one season of it because there's no time. Uh-huh. You're doing it as it updates throughout real time. How much of this as well do you think is because they have eclipsed the books? That's definitely part of it. So yeah. the earlier seasons, they're basically just doing what our George R. R. Martin kind of tells them to, right? Well, the books say it's there, so we're going to do that. We'll, we'll move some pieces around and we'll condense two characters into a different character and all of that. But for the most part, it's not there's more than just an outline for us to follow. Like there are exact beats and character moments and things we have to hit. What if... Whereas now they are in a, in a world where, I mean, as far as I know, an outline is the most that they possibly have. What if like, they might is... just yeah. have the end point and a couple key pieces yeah. and they're kind of filling in the rest. So, so no, I don't think there's been a, there hasn't been a book release since the show started. No, there hasn't. What if, George R. R. Martin is actually Littlefinger and he's got them all written and he's been feeding bad data to the writers <laughs> to basically prove the point. Like I am so much better at this than you guys are. Yeah. Well, yeah. And if he were to release the next book as soon as this thing is done and it's like, Oh, this is a lot better like paced and put together. Um, that would, that would stand out. As, I mean, it wouldn't stand out to me cause I'm not going to read it, but <laughs> It would stand up to people that are really deep into this. They're like, yeah, he really is the sort of fantasy narrative genius that we thought he was. Yeah. Yes. That could be a part of it. Yeah. I don't really think he's that conniving. I think he's just lazy. (laughs) That's possible. And super rich now, probably. But yeah, so even with all that, like this show pisses me off so much. There's so many stupid things. Like just, oh, just run home. Oh, and can we, let's, so let's talk about like the next trip to Dragonstone. So they send Gendry out there they get surrounded by the white walkers right yeah and they have nowhere to go they're just stuck they're on a frozen lake and they got stuck in the middle of it but but uh gendry gets away because they told him to run and in the time that they are on the ice which it the way that the show is presented it seems like they're on the nice on the ice overnight yes did you read it differently no that is that is exactly how i read it is that not the case so overnight so let's say that that's even being uh, like generous, that's they're on it for 16 hours or something like that. In the time, in those 16 hours, Gendry has enough time to run. Who I don't know how far that is, but it's not short. Um, to run <laughs> through the snow, <laughs> to get to uh, the wall at a basically like he's passed out, right? He's, yeah. He's he's almost dead, but he is he heals himself enough to explain what is happening to write to write it down and put it on a raven for that raven to fly all the way to dragonstone now where's dragonstone on this continent it's pretty far south right yeah it's where it's warm um they have a beach so you're in the south and so that's is it is it 500 miles is it 5,000 miles like what's the degree of separation we're looking at here it's in the thousands right it feels like it's pretty far that's that's a real good question i have no idea and it, I mean, it's it's definitely hundreds of miles, and it's it's probably more. Sorry, according to the map I'm looking at right now, it is, and I don't know if this is canon, but mm-hmm. from a wiki of Ice and Fire online, it is 
from let's say just north of the wall just like just north of the wall it is hold on i gotta compare maps now great um <laughs> this is good content yeah, we... silently looking at maps okay so let's say conservatively it's they're just north of the wall like just past it then right it's still eh, just about 2400 miles <laughs> <laughs> to, <laughs> to Dragonstone. To Dragonstone. Okay, so while you were looking that up, I googled how fast can ravens fly. <laughs> so the average flying speed over moderate distances, which is about 500 miles, is around 50 miles per hour. 50 miles per hour over 500 miles—that's 10 hours. And if <laughs> if the crow could do that four to five times in a row without taking a break, which it can't because it would die, <laughs> that is four times ten that's 40 hours right so let's let's say two days it would take two days for a crow to fly from the wall to dragonstone and somehow in the what we're calling 12 to 16 hours that they're on the ice gendry runs to the wall writes a message puts it on this crow this crow makes that flight danny reads the message stops outside and has a chat with Tyrion. Uh, she changes into her winter clothes, which she has, and then gets on her dragons and flies <laughs> back. Now, even if the dragons can fly a hundred times faster, that's still some time. And then shows up right as the battle needs her. This is it's this is ludicrous. It, it's just nonsense, and they've thrown all all that like it feels like a gritty real fantasy world uh, out the door because they're running out of episodes. I mean, we're led to believe enough time passes so that. The lake freezes over, so that right. when Clegane throws the rock in irritation, it skids across and shows everybody, "Oh, we can go kill you now." Come, yeah, come yeah. attack us. Yeah, it's it's really just it's just spiraling so far out of control. Now, all that said, when that dragon shows up, <laughs> I I'm sitting in my house going like, dragon fight," <laughs> and uh, that's what this show gets to do. Yeah, that's true. So let's, let's talk about a couple of loose ends. Thoros does die. Yes, Thoros yeah. gets swarmed. He's uh, the priest, right? Yeah, he dies overnight. Yeah. He dies He dies from the cold in his wounds. Oh, yeah, that's right. He dies overnight. Yeah, the last Everyone else gets swarmed and then somehow survives it. Yeah. Tormund really comes super close. Like, he gets swarmed. Right. Guys come out of the ice. And then I think in contrast to not... Not getting up and saving Thoros, Clegane rushes fair. in. Yeah, Clegane rushes in and actually saves him. Right, because um, there's no fire there, so he's fine. That's true. Yeah. There's also okay. So Danny shows up and burns a lot of stuff, which yeah. is real fun. Yeah, it is. Then she lands on their little block of ice and starts getting people onto the back of Drogon. Yes. John doesn't go up there immediately, and is it because he sees the Night King and just wants to go fight him? Yeah. That's kind of the vibe that I got, that he saw, like, this is the opportunity to end this, and he's going to go for him. Which is sort of the same thinking that Jamie had yeah. two, three episodes ago. That's true. That's that's there, but then John gets swarmed and gets pulled under the water by a bunch of zombies that don't need to breathe like he has to breathe. Yes. And somehow he escapes that? Yeah. He doesn't have any weapons either at that point. I think they just pull him down. His sword is up on the ice. So, But how does he even escape this thing underwater? Yeah, just because uh, he has to. Yeah. Just So that's 
that didn't make any sense. Like this, this that, I don't understand why they had to even do that. This like, body why water connected. Even make John get pulled underwater if you're he's not going to die. So why even do it? They're all about pulling characters underwater that don't need to be pulled underwater. Yeah, just setting up the like, ooh, look, this guy might die. And then all of us in the audience going like, he's not going to die. <laughs> uh, and then he doesn't die. But in the meantime, we get to see the Night King finally does some fighting. Because all I don't think we've ever seen him do anything, right? He just stands there and looks. He's scary and he raises his arms. Yes. Um, but he picks up a spear? Javelin? Javelin, I think, is the correct term there, yeah. He's basically like if he took the best Olympic javelin thrower and pumped him full of steroids, he throws a javelin like that. And he hits uh, sidekick dragon number one out of the air and kills it. Yeah, Viserion in this case. Okay, here's how, though, we are really, really confident that the Night King is firmly established in this universe. There's another dragon that is much closer and has every main enemy sitting on top of it (laughs) and instead of throwing his javelin at drogon who is i don't know a like a an eighth of the way in distance to the moving flying target that he decides on he throws it up into the air to kill the sidekick dragon that has no key characters on it (laughs) so he is also very very stupid So at least we know that in season either episode seven or season seven or season eight, I guess, is the next one. Yeah. yeah at least we know that the from an intelligence standpoint, it's going to be a fair fight. That's true. Because everyone's an idiot. Yeah. And then. Yeah. So we, we lose Viserion, which was, that was hard. That was the, the thus far the most impactful death of this season. After grandma. OK. Right. And then so everyone gets to escape. John, oh, well, John eventually gets to escape because he meets up with Benjen, <laughs> yeah. who is who is there conveniently. And you called Benjen, this. Okay, yeah. so this is, act, yeah, we, we talked about this last, well, last week we talked about who is going to show up to save John. Is it going to be Benjen or is it going to be Daenerys on a dragon? And, and it turned out to be both. Yeah, Because the writers at this point are just writing fan fiction. <laughs> so Benjen shows up on his horse twirling his fire toy. Pulls John up. No, first John just looks at him and goes like, Uncle Benjen? <laughs> and Benjen's response is, there is no time. And then he proceeds to stand out in the open and twirl his little twirly fire bit for just a few minutes before the the zombies catch up and kill him. Why, instead of standing out in the open and twirling his fire toy, didn't he just get on the horse? With John? I think the intent being yeah. that... With that both- horse could have carried two people. I think we're led to believe not. Also, we need a dramatic <laughs> death scene. It was, I actually like, I laughed when he said there is no time. And he's just, there is no time and sends John on his way. And then proceeds like, it doesn't, it's not like he says there is no time and then gets swarmed immediately. Like he literally stands there and twirls his weapon waiting for the zombies to come get him. He's been on his way out for a while though. He's been right. on the edge so because he knows he can't carry the fight south of the wall. But I think Benjamin Stark not getting on the horse is the equivalent of Leonardo DiCaprio not fitting on the raft. It's just like, yeah, it's just like, hey, uh, 
can you, uh, Kate Winslet, just move like a foot to the right? <laughs> That's a giant piece of wood. You're, you're literally on a, like a door. <laughs> a giant piece of wood. Just let me up there. And Uncle Benjamin also sinks with the Titanic. There's no time. So, I don't think that they needed him narratively to show up. Like, we didn't gain anything from that. Like, they're rewriting all of this. I think that they just let John escape with the rest of the group. Like, what did we gain other than some, like, seeing some stupid plot holes with John, from John getting pulled underwater and then having Benjamin say there is no time when there was plenty of time? One more. Because it's not like John, like, got to reconnect with his uncle. Like, he's basically dead at that point. Just a reminder that there's another kind of zombie. There's, like, four types of zombies there's the zombies that the white walkers make there's yeah. the zombies that kyburn makes the mountain yep. the, the the zombie that rides there's john snow and Varric tondarian who are the same kind the of fire zombie. zombies yeah the fire zombies and then there's Benjamin stark he's dead but he's not dead but he's sort of dead yeah are there other types of zombies or is that that it well are the white walkers themselves Kind of like zombies. Also not explained. Okay. Unclear. Well, they did explain that the children of the forest stabbed a dude in the heart. And that... So they're sort of like zombies. You're right. I don't know if that technically killed the guy or if it just immediately transitioned him. Did it turn him into a White Walker? Is that right? Yeah. That was like that one scene from whatever season that was. that's right. Bran saw it. Weirdo Raven Boy. Right. Yeah. While he was doing his research with... uh, the old man three-eyed raven yeah who was way less weird than brand was i feel yeah the old man that just lived in a tree was the normal one yeah he was more in that relationship more socially adjusted than brand stark so who grew up with loving parents and a house of siblings but it may have fell out of a tower watching siblings have sex with each other oh wait so, no you're you know, right there you're gonna get stuff. messed up <laughs> There's some things. Yeah. Okay. The closer of the episode is... Zombie uh, dragon. Zombie okay. Dragon. So my first question, before we get to the fact that they have the nice dragon now, where did they get those big chains? I don't know. Because <laughs> <laughs> that was the first thing I said when that scene came. And they're just... There's like three... Not even... It's not even like the chain on an anchor on a boat. Like they were bigger chains than that. Yeah, they were. And they just have three of them, giant ones. I don't know. Where did those come from? I don't know. Is that one of the Night King's powers that he can make chains? Probably at this point. Yeah. I that's think a so. very, very specific power to have, but yeah. it's real useful right now. It's probably not the Night King. It's probably a different white, White Walker. Oh, okay. Because they got to so spread the power. The main Night King can raise the dead. And yeah. then this guy is like, I can make chains. <laughs> Some of the guys can make zombies. Uh-huh. One, Larry can make only Sackhead. Right. He only ever made Sackett. Uh, <laughs> He's one guy, yeah. and he loans them out. He doesn't even keep them around. Yeah. The Night King can throw like an Olympic hurler and look at birds to kill them. Yeah. And then there's one uh, White Walker that can make chains. That's that's Charles, the Charles, chain guy. Charles, the chain maker. <laughs> I like the. I like to actually think he doesn't even he doesn't make giant chains. Like he found those giant chains like decades ago. <laughs> And he just brings them along. Every sing- everywhere they go, he brings his chains. And finally, <laughs> like, this was his day. And he just, he spent this whole, so we didn't get to see it, but he spent this whole scene just with a sarcastic, like, 
you you said we weren't going to need these chains. Why do we keep carrying these chains, you say? Well, look at look at us now. We have a dragon. Because of whose chains? Charles's chains. You're welcome. Like every situation he tries to solve with the chains. He's like, yeah, to put chains on it. Yeah. They go to Hardhome and they ambush the army and they raise the dead. And he's just standing in the back going like, uh... What if we threw chains at their boat? <laughs> but he finally had his day. I'm happy for him. Good for Charles. Way to go, Charles. Chain guy. <laughs> but now they have an ice dragon. Now so the Night dragon. King is definitely going to ride that dragon, right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. I'm on board for that. See, now this is like as, as mad as I am at the show and everything about how stupid the Charles has chains and Uncle Benjamin can't get on a horse. As soon as you're like, okay, well, we're going we're gonna to start fighting again, and there's going to be some dragons back on board. So that was this episode. That's everything. I haven't watched the, tra- the trailer for I don't watch the trailers for the episodes before they come out. Um, I, I didn't see the scenes for next week either. Yeah, I was going to hold out. I just assume they're going back to King's Landing. I think the most upset at the show I'm going to be is if it turns out that they bring Sackhead to King's Landing, and Cersei just goes like, oh, I believe you now. Let's fight together. <laughs> She may do that. <laughs> like if then, they yeah. if they just throw out all character development and they say like Net, yes, we we must form a united front. What do you think is the thing that would make you happy with the finale? Um, I sense? want I want Littlefinger dead. I honestly wouldn't mind one of the Stark girls dying because they're bothering me. Either of them. <laughs> they're so fickle. They're so fickle. Yeah. So they have to go to King's Landing, and I think Cersei just isn't going to believe it. She's like, I don't care what you say. We're going to fight. And maybe in the meeting that they take with Sackhead, she kills somebody. And then that leads to whatever comes next. That's possible. I've enjoyed it. Where is Sam at this point? Do we know? So so Sam took off and is driving a wagon with books and scrolls and little Sam. We thought he was going to Winterfell, right? Yeah, I think that's probably accurate. Okay. He's probably Winterfell bound. Because he, unlike Jon Snow, travels at some form of human speed yeah Jon Snow can travel around the world did you see someone uh tweeted out a little graphic with the path that Jon Snow has covered since hard home no <laughs> there's so someone sent out a map of a map of Westeros and it just says here's the distance that Jon Snow has covered since hard home and it's this green line that goes from end to end of the continent and back and it goes crisscross crisscross and spiraling in circles um and then it says Here's the distance that the Night King has covered since Hard Home. And it's like five pixels <laughs> of a line in the top corner. Oh, the other thing is like, so I I want in the next episode for uh, John's uh, parentage to come out. Like, Bran, hurry up and do something useful. Let's let people know. So I have, until we were talking this episode, this theory had not existed for me. But now it does. And I don't think it's going to happen, but I suddenly think it's possible. It would make narrative sense if Danny died in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because that would set up. I mean, it would, it would pull the rug out from under the viewers, which they love doing in the last episodes. Right. Yeah, when John was killed, when that was that was one of the biggest ones. When Ned was killed, back way back in the first ep- first season. Right. Um, but I could see them doing it again here because they only have one. They couldn't, so they can't knock off any of their major characters before they're close to done. But they can get through one season without a lot of people, right? All of a sudden, next episode, every there's a lot of people that are up for grabs. Uh huh. But 
in terms of our. I would be into it if if Daenerys is killed. I'm into that because that that you're right that that changes all the equations. It does, and it's, so suddenly the dragons are wild cards. The Dothraki are wild agents cards until they realize that John is their actual master. Yeah, and that would be more than blood in the water for Cersei. That would be she she wouldn't be able to hold back at that point, regardless of mm-hmm. zombies walking towards King's Landing. Right. Okay. I mean, I could I could see it being a fun way to take it. I don't know that they're going to do it. I don't think they will. I think I think they would piss off too many people. But and I and I I also don't think I would love it. It's for the first time in I think the entire series. It's viable. Right. Okay. So that's good. Now let me pitch you what my like could this happen ending? Not okay. necessarily to this season and the next episode, but is is there any chance that the Night King wins? Because I think I might be rooting for him. <laughs> <laughs> Why? 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 I think that everyone is so stupid that they could lose this fight. That's possible. But, I mean, is is does that ruin the whole show if the Night King wins? For me? Do, do, no. Do, do the good guys have to win? Not for me, but for okay. a lot of people, I think that's probably the case. It's a good, a good yeah, question. Yeah, but screw up. They killed Ned real fast. Yeah. We should track that. As we recorded for the last season, for season eight, we should really track that as we should have a meter of how likely is it that the Night King wins. That the Night King wins? Okay. I'm at about like a 5% now. I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's really necessarily a bad ending. I think it might actually be pretty good, but I think it's like 5% likely. Yeah. Uh, 3%. I'm at 3%. I think over the next season though, lots of people die. And lots of favorites die. Yeah. But I think I think somebody important dies next episode. That I'm next banking episode. on. Yeah. Okay, so our candidates for next episode. Yep. I think it's not gonna be John. I think John's not a candidate at all. I don't I agree with that. John's gonna stick around just because he has too, too big of a reveal. Okay, so of the like major characters that are left, we have Daenerys, we have Cersei, we have Jamie, I guess, would count. Yep. Um, Tyrion. Tyrion. I'll say Sansa and I guess Arya as well, but really more Sansa because she's she's kind of in charge. Yep. And then Davos and Brienne are kind of the next tier, and Tormund. Yeah, no, they're they're a tier down. They don't count. Okay. So of Cersei, Jamie, Sansa, Jon, Daenerys, Tyrion, who do you think is most likely? Let's end on this. I think, I think Tyrion's possible. I think I think Cersei may just decide to off him. Right. I actually think Cersei's the most likely out of this group. That's interesting. What does that do to our draft? How, are we are okay. we still saying well, true to draft or is it? Let's check. Okay, so <laughs> just to be clear, um, none of us have gotten any of our picks yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, my characters that will die: Alaria. I think she might be dead already. They just haven't shown it. Grey Worm, he is on vacation. <laughs> he's, I don't even, I, I guess we might see him next week, but he, he's been out of the picture for a real long time. He's still in them boats. Uh, and Jamie, I think, uh, yeah, I don't think Jamie's dying. I don't think this so either. Week either. Yeah. I think it's more likely that Jamie kills someone. Okay. So you have Drogon, who's definitely not going to die yeah, at this that, point. That ship is safe. already killed one. Yeah. We knew, we knew uh, it was Cersei, one who I think is pretty good. Yep, that's possible. 
Littlefinger, who is by far ranked number one as far as characters who I think will die. I wouldn't be surprised if we get out of the season with only one of our six actually having died. Yeah. And I think that would, I would bet that that's Littlefinger. Yeah. Okay. Living. I mean, I have Danny living. So if your theory comes true, I lose my number one draft pick. Yeah. I wasn't until this episode, I would never have predicted that I, like this potential that Danny could die, but now I'm kind of, eh, it's possible. Yeah. I have Danny, Sam, and Tyrion. I don't think Sam is going to die, but, yeah. you know, Tyrion, sure. Could be, yep. And you have Jon Snow, who definitely is safe, I think, Arya and Jaime. Yeah, I feel stronger about Arya my... and Jaime are both, they're at least on the table. Yeah. I, I have a much stronger living bracket than death bracket for my yeah. group. Well, my death bracket is terrible. <laughs> Mainly because I chose characters that the show has decided they are important, but they are not important enough to show anymore. Yeah. <laughs> we are going to King's Landing next episode, though. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So we'll be back next week to talk about the finale, which is definitely going to be amazing and win me back. Yeah, I think so. So <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at CCampbellArt. And I am at the Justin Perez. And you can find the podcast at NOTWpod on Twitter and northofthewallpod.com. All right. Thanks very much. We'll see you next week. Salute me, Familia.